welcome back to Million Dollar Careers. As always, I've got my good buddy Rob Houghton with me, and uh, we've got a good subject today. As uh, as most people know, last week was NFL Draft Draft Day. I love the draft because it's it's the greatest talent hunting mission on the planet. I mean, the ultimate in talent hunting, the NFL Draft. Well, it's more than it's more than talent hunting. It is a master class in people, business. There are so many things from the NFL draft. I mean, I, I really think it's like a little microcosm of the business world in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's your team? Well, I've got two teams. I, I've always been a Dallas Cowboys fan, but, and I'll say this very quietly, I have a mistress, San Francisco 49ers, because mm-hmm. my youngest son is a Niners fan. Unfortunately, the last two years, the Niners had to play the Cowboys in the champions, where in the NFC conference game, and I had to stay neutral. But yeah, so I'm a Niners and a Cowboys guy. Yeah, it's funny. I grew up in Eagles. I grew up when I was a kid. When I was seven years old. My grandfather took me to a, an Eagles game, and I uh, became a lifelong Eagles fan. And then, you know, this is despite the fact I grew up in Dallas, and my That's next right. door neighbor was Walt Garrison, and the guy who lived behind me was Golden Richards. No, you're kidding. I, Walt I'm Garrison? Dead seri- I am dead serious, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man. And uh, this is back in the day before you know, the football players made any money, but I could never become, I, you know, I never really became a true Cowboys fan. But the interesting thing is I have a mistress, too. And, you know, I'm a Texas Tech guy. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've watched Patrick Mahomes since he took his first snap in college. And now my daughter's a huge Chiefs fan because, yeah, she followed, yeah, she became a Texas Tech oh, fan yeah. as well. Sure. And so we watched the Chiefs as well. So. It's good uh, to have know, two teams. At the end of the day, look, it's who wins, who loses. I don't care. It's like a big sugar. You know, the who wins the Super Bowl, it's a sugar high. Somebody yeah. gets a Sunday sugar high, and then everybody forgets on Monday, right? Nobody cares, and then the cycle starts all over again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I love the draft day. Yeah, the draft to me is it's really potential versus production. And you see this play out in the NFL as you do in, in the business world, in the recruiting business. I see this all the time. Like a good example, this year's draft, right? The potential pick was Anthony Richardson. Just getting ready to talk about him. Anthony Richardson, a total freak, 6'4", like 240, runs like a deer, jumps high. If you look at his record in college, the games he started, he was 6-6. and Mm -hmm. And he threw 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So that's the potential. You look at the production, Stetson Bennett for Georgia. Yep. 5'11", 190 pounds, soaking wet, weak arms, small, doesn't move well. All he did was win two national championships. Yep. He gets drafted in the sixth round, I think, and Anthony Richardson gets drafted number three. So it's a, you know, I look at the draft as fascinating because you look at teams drafting a potential and you look at teams drafting on experience. Well, the difference, yeah, but the difference is, yeah, all right, a couple things here. One, Richardson, pure athlete. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, Cam Newton size, Cam Newton, you know, coming out of, you know, when he, when he started with, with the Hornets or not Hornets, the Hornets, when he started with, you know, with uh, Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a big guy, but they beat him up. You know, he's a really talented guy, but they, they, yeah, everybody was got him for him. They beat him up. But Richardson, you're looking at the potential and you're saying, if we work with him, give him a good quarterback coach, he has got the physical attributes and the athletic attributes to be great. Yeah. You know, it's it's about potential versus Stetson Bennett, who may have just had a great team around him, 
you know, it, it all, it all depends on, and then Richardson versus Bennett. Bennett has low emotional. He's got low maturity level. Yeah. He ran into some trouble at the, the end of, you know, DUI ran into some trouble. All of a sudden now people are questioning his maturity level. Yeah. It's a little like uh, what's his name out in Arizona. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray would rather play. An Aggie, man. He, he would rather play video games than watch films. And that drove Cliff Kingsbury crazy. He's like, come on, you know, I can teach you these things. So he's like, no, I just want to go play video games. Once again, it comes down to, you know, dedication versus willingness to learn, you know, versus immaturity. And the other guy that did not get drafted as high as I thought was was the guy from TCU, Max Dugan, who's kind of mm-hmm. like another Stetson Bennett, under six foot. But that guy, all he did was win at TCU. Countered to the argument about Stetson Bennett, I'll give you another name. Too small, can't throw the ball, not much potential. Drafted last year as Mr. Irrelevant. Got oh, yeah. Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. How did he do last year anyways? (laughs) Hey, it's like we talked about on a prior podcast. When you're the third string quarterback of a team, you have a better chance at winning lotto than starting, you know, five games in a row. I mean, literally first string quarterback goes out with an injury. Second string quarterback comes out with an injury. And then you show up as the third string quarterback thinking, hey, I'm not going to play at all. But the guy showed up and he was prepared. He knew the playbooks. He was ready to go. And that's a testament to him as a you know, executive, as a as an athlete, as someone who's like, hey, I'm a you know, I'm I'm ready. And that's the issue I have today with you know with people in business. When your time is called, are you ready to go? Exactly. You know the the interesting thing to me is though. And I actually looked this up last night. There are a million kids in the country that play high school football. Yeah. A million of them. You go to college, that number precipitously drops to 96,000. From 96,000, it goes to 1,600 in the NFL. A million, 96,000 to 1,600. You know, it just shows you, you know, you know, how many people out there are like, I want to be a CEO. You know, the caliber, it, you know, to get from here to here to here, it's an exponential leap. It is amazing. And that's why in the NFL, they keep replenishing every year. It's like a good business. You know, even if you think you're set, it's always good to bring in a young sales guy, right? You just keep, you know, you know and so we're talking about, you know, you, the big economic thing right now is layoffs. Well, just because somebody's laying off doesn't mean they're hiring. Exactly right. You think about it. You think about it. Yeah, you know, yeah we're laying off a thousand people, Facebook. But you know, who knows? As they're laying off, you know, hey, we're we're maybe we're top grading some people too. Exactly. Yeah. They can be laying off a thousand, but hiring two hundred and fifty. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, that was the big thing where I grew my business, you know, where I grew my business during the Great Recession was I had CEOs calling me up saying I need to lay off three people. But I need somebody to do the job. Go find me one really, really good person who can handle these three jobs. And I made a lot of money doing that. And the fact of the matter was, those people are out there. You know, those people are out there. You give them a good opportunity. 
you show them a good opportunity where they can grow as a per- person, where they can get their net, you know, they're, they're, they can build their own personal wealth too. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go there. How do you see your clients hiring? If you had to to pick two different baskets, one hiring on skills, hiring on potential uh, versus hiring on experience and attributes. How do most of your clients view that? You know, everybody wants, my clients mostly want plug and play. Somebody's been there, done that. Right. We want, I want it. We want an experienced general manager. We want an experienced CEO, or we want an experienced finance person, you know, grow something, turn something, turn something around, grow something. But on the flip side, you know, I've placed a couple of people really not that much experience per se, but experience on the periphery. And you know that if you put them in the right spot, they would be superstars. And and I I, I talked to a couple of clients and I said, hire this person. They will be a superstar. And and that turned out to be the case. You know, no BD, you know, no business development experience, no sales experience. I'm like, yeah, but give them a try. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And they've been more than pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I think a lot of it too has to do with fit. And I was looking at the uh, NFL draft again, right? So there's this guy, Jalen Carter from Georgia, big defensive tackle. Probably he was rated the best athlete, even for a big man, like 6'3, 300 pounds, super athlete. And he was rated like the best guy. Unfortunately, during the NFL combine, he was arrested. Because he was involved in a mm-hmm. reckless uh, driving yep. incident where I think I think two people died. Georgia the, guy, yeah, they're racing. Yeah, Georgia guy, right? University of Georgia, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jalen Carter, un- unbelievable guy, just took over the NFL or mm-hmm. took over the championship game two years in a row, and they were talking about how that was really going to drop his uh, status in the draft. Mm-hmm. He became a risk, you know, because of his supposedly bad character. But who knows what the circumstances were of the reckless driving. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, there's one team I that I do not want to get Jalen Carter, and that's the Eagles, because the Eagles are in the same division as the Cowboys, plus mm-hmm. the Eagles are the prime threat for the Niners, right? Right. I'm thinking, please, anybody but the Eagles. But then I started thinking about this and thinking to myself, you know, he would be a great fit for the Eagles. And why? Because they have a lot of senior, experienced good character guys under defensive line already, Fletcher Cox and all these other guys. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, if there's one place that he would fit in, that he would have built-in mentorship and some experienced guys to kind of show him the ropes of the NFL, yeah, be the Eagles. And here comes the Eagles pick. The Eagles actually moved up, I think, one or two spots. And I told my wife, I said, watch this. These guys are going to get Jalen Carter. Yeah. Sure enough, they picked Jalen Carter, man. And it was because um, it was just a great fit. And I yeah. said in the corporate world too, sometimes people are just great fits. Well, it's coachability. I mean, it's, it's, it's two things. Yeah. You know, it's two things there. One, you know, it's emotional intelligence over, you know, emotional intelligence over EQ over IQ. And yeah. as we were talking about Bill Koch, um, a guy that I, ex CEO that I know, former CEO, uh, I know down in uh, Texas, who's doing a lot of exec- executive coaching. And he said something that stuck with me. He said something to me two years ago, three years ago, that stuck with me to this day. Emotional intelligence over EQ over IQ. And he said, because artificial intelligence is going to be really smart, but it can't deal with people. So I think when you talk about like a, you know, Jalen Carter, you know, kid like that, you know, one, there's redemption. 
Yeah. Now, are you going to hold this over the kids? Yeah. He's look at the end of the day, he's 21, 22 years old. He's still a young yeah. kid. Two, is he coachable? Okay. If he's coachable, if he's got good character and made a mistake and we pair him up with people who are going to, you know, you're probably in a pretty good spot, but it's always that person that's uncoachable who is low EQ. You know, I, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of them out there. They're divas. You know, they just have no emotional intelligence. They just, you know, uncoachable. They're just, you know, disruptive force. That's why I tell companies to fire their activists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. got an activist in your company? Fire them. Yeah. They are a cancer. You should have told that to the Budweiser guy, man. I wrote a blog on that. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't see it. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. I wrote a blog. I said Budweiser had, they had, they just had, you know, this comes down to you fit in the organization. Yeah, and look, I, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, the whole the whole thing to me, I don't know what was more funny, the fact that Bud Light and their advertising or the fact that the fact that Fox News was losing its absolute mind over the whole thing. Like, I don't care. You know, it's it's like, hey, look, you know, let's all get along. Yeah. You know, respect people. Let's all get along. But ultimately, what you have at Bud Light is you've got InBev, a big Belgian publicly traded company, which has rolled up about 60 beer brands. So it's a, it has no connection to the customer Bud Light. It's got a CEO with, you know, now granted, he was uh, military special forces. He should know better, but he's very highly educated Ivy League guy. Yeah, right. And then he hires as the product marketing leader, the, the, the vice president of communications or the vice president of marketing for Bud Light, a very wealthy young lady, Ivy League, who's never been down in the trenches with a factory worker in her life. They just didn't know their customer. Yeah. That's, that was my blog. But, you know, ultimately to me, it's the wrong fit. The person that I would personally have marketing Bud Light is someone who grew up in a very, you know, working class, humble setting, not somebody who's been Ivy league and wealthy all their life. And, and it, it, that was such a tragedy because Bud Light was really close to the U.S. military, and they had done a lot of really cool stuff for the military, like dropping pallets of Bud beer into Afghanistan and not even sending anybody a bill. It would just kind of show up. Just about everybody I know in SF drinks Bud Light, but no more. You know what I mean? So it's just they threw away so much of that goodwill. It was just really stupid. I, I think at the end of the day, you got to look at that whole fiasco. And you say, what is the upside here? There's a lot of ways to support. Look, there's a lot of ways to support marginally, you know, mar you know people who are uh, marginally represented. You could do it a thousand different ways. But at the end of the day, you know, your marketing campaign should support the people, who, your customers. You know, and there was no upside. Yeah, there was no upside there. Yeah, it just seemed like almost like an act of sabotage almost. Right. You know? But but you look at but you look at you know you, you coming back to the the NFL you, you 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 know teams are drafting people that's you know are supporting their fans and supporting their game plan moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now the the draft is, uh, you know, I can make the case where the Super Bowl is kind of anticlimactic. You know, I mean the Super Bowl. It, I didn't even watch the Super Bowl this past year. I kind of clicked on it and clicked off of it, but it was 
I wasn't even looking forward to it, but you know, maybe it's because the NFL is so good at marketing, but I look forward to the NFL draft like all year long. I mean, I was actually glued to the TV watching all the talent evaluators talk about the players and the, the potential and the experience and the attributes and how they were measuring people. There's people now that come up with this analytic that measures like total athletic score and all this stuff. And to me, it's just so fascinating. I mean, it was three days I was glued to the television set. I, I think it's just, a, like I said, it's a little microsm. I mean, to me, it's it's fascinating. It's a little microsm of business. And you think about like yeah. Lamar, Lamar Jackson up in Baltimore. He just negotiated without an agent a monster contract. And how did he do it? He was patient. He sat, you know, made, yeah, yeah, he made some noise, but he held out. And he held out and he held out until the Eagles gave Jalen Hurts a big contract. Yeah. And then he said, okay, I want that contract. You know, I want something that looks like that. And he, exactly, saved, ten, yeah. and he saved 10% that he doesn't have to pay his agent, an agent. He was patient. Yeah. You know, you think about, wow, all right, there's the joy of patience. That's the great thing about the NFL and by extension, the draft, because it is a microcosm of uh, business in the corporate world. There's no question about it. You can learn a lot from just watching the NFL, it's a true meritocracy. You know, it's just guys hitting each other and it's a business. There's no political correctness. It's just a meritocracy. You, If you're good, you're going to play. If you're not, you're off the field. I don't care who you are. I was you watching Steph. Your job at any time. It's I was watching Steph Curry yesterday. But, you know, I was watching him. Uh, I, I was watching uh, the last game of the, uh, the, the, the Golden State, Sacramento. Who won? Uh, uh, Golden State, they 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 were they were looking a little ugly at the end of the third quarter, and all of a sudden they just lit up in the fourth quarter. They won by twenty points, so the uh, Golden State took the series four three. Who do they play now? Uh, I don't know where they go next, but yeah, the Steph NBA is the same way too. I mean, the M the NBA, NASCAR. I mean, that, that's why professional sports and even amateur sports, college sports, college football, I like even more than the NFL. But you look at Steph Curry, a guy like Steph Curry, and here is here is a coach, or here's some people that realized, hey, look, this guy can shoot, but he could shoot from a distance, and a three point shot is worth fifty percent more than a two pointer. So the old days, I mean, you talk about now, a guy, you, you get a couple people like him, you spread out defenses, spread out defenses are weaker, and now you you've got more, you've got more plays in your playbook, right? And you, you build. But you think about how Steph Curry changed the way the NBA plays yeah. ball. Yeah, and it's a little like Mike Leach, who passed away. You know, you remember Mike Leach? Yes. With with the uh, you know the, the 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 run and gun offenses, the spread off. Yeah. How he how the NFL now plays offense that Mike Leach created way back when he was a coach at some crappy little. I remember that community yeah. college. Yeah, you think about these little these little things that kind of creep up, and then you go, "All right, how does this pertain to business?" You have to you have to be constantly innovating and listening to your employees and your customers because you and, never know when that next big idea is going to come along. You know? And and you got to constantly be watching out for that big idea. Somebody's going to get disrupted. You know, First Republic Bank. I don't think six months ago, First Republic Bank realized it was going to be owned by J.P. Morgan as of yesterday. What's out there that's going to kill you? Absolutely. It happens quicker and quicker now. 
I'm glad I'm not 20 years old, man. <laughs> As my wife tells me, my 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 hair, the the gray of my hair is showing up a little more every day. It's these it's these clients and customers, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing a lot of executive coaching. Oh yeah, yeah. What is your what are you telling your clients? I'm telling my clients to make sure that you create a mindset in your organization does a couple of things. One, make sure you you communicate consistently and often what the purpose of your organization is. And secondly, you want to provide a structure so that your executives can own what they do. And most importantly, enable and empower and respect all their staff, because that's where the next big idea is coming from. That's it, really. Yeah. Listen, listen to the staff. I was at a customer, uh, well, I was in New York actually about two weeks ago, and I kept hearing, I was in a board meeting, and I kept hearing, we're client focused, customer focused, customer's always right, client's always right. And I said, think of it this way. Think of it, if, if, if you are empowering your employees, and you reward and respect and recognize your employees, what's that going to do to your client and customer relations? I, I said, I think you guys may have it a little bit backwards here. You know, you should be an employee-focused organization, not necessarily a client-focused organization. And the chairman, he was like 30 feet away from me down at the other end of the table. <laughs> and he goes, you know, something, he goes, you got a point there. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, I never really thought of it that way. He says, you're right. We need to get like really focused on our employees, get them empowered, enabled. Mm -hmm. And then by extension, our customers are going to be a lot happier. Mm -hmm. It was like a, an epiphany. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm telling a lot of people. Just don't be focused just on the client and the customer. Focus on your employees, man. Right. That, yeah, no, look. That is your that, most important asset. Yeah, no, look, I, I've seen, yeah, this is why I'm not a big believer in stakeholder capitalism. You know, my, my, I, I, you know, if you're a stakeholder capitalist, that means you're answering the mail to every cat and dog who thinks he's got a, you know, he, who's, who's got something in the fight. And that's just not true. Right. You run, it, it's the shareholders. You take care of the shareholders. If you run a high quality business, everybody else will be taken care of. The employees, if you run a really high quality business and take care of your employees, right. your customers will be very happy. The community will be very happy. Absolutely, you know, and the stake then the stakeholders will be happy. But I don't. I'm not a firm believer that you know, every stakeholder out there has a you know, has a, a right to say how you run your business. And that's you know that's people underestimate their staff. They underestimate the little guy in the in a little cubicle in the, on the 11th floor who doesn't have any visibility. If you empower and you enable and recognize those people, that's the lifeblood of your organization. Man, you know that that person who's just doing data analysis in the cubicle has an opinion about the Absolutely. data. They see the data. You know, they may They're be in the front lines, they, man. They may be, they may be quiet. You may, you know, they, 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 you know, but they see the data. They see how it's compiled. They see how it's analyzed. What do you think happens if you go to them and go, all right, you know, you're kind of quiet, but you see all this stuff. What do you, what do you, what's your opinion of it all? They may surprise you. The bottom line, but but if if you don't have confidence in the person, why why are they there in the first place? Hey, that's why they say, and you know this, 
as well as I do, you know, who runs the military at the end of the day? The non-commissioned officer. Non-commissioned officers are the enlisted guys who are out in the foxholes fighting the war. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that are at the tip of the spear in terms of innovation, mm -hmm. in terms of unconventional warfare. It's not the guy back at the Pentagon. The guy at the Pentagon is a big strategy guy, but the tactics and the innovation and, and the execution the, at, at execution is all on the ground. So, no, you, you know, it's fascinating that when we have, have these discussions, how the military, the professional sports world, and the corporate world, it's all kind of the same, you know? It all comes down to do your job. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I feel bad for the kicker. When they put him out there on the fifth, you know, on the 40 yard line, say that's a 55 yard field goal with one second left in the game. You're, you're a hero or goat. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's what you signed up for and you know, do your job, right? The left tackle, the blind side tackle, you know, your job is to protect the quarterback, do your job. Yeah. And you know what happened in the championship game between the Niners and the Eagles, the tight end on the Niners failed to block Hasim Reddick. And he's the guy that put Brock Purdy out of the game. And that was it. One guy didn't do his job. One guy didn't do his job. And, and that's... You can do, 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 yeah, you can do everything right. All the drafting, the, the strategizing, the, the roster building, the stadiums, the coaches. But if that one guy doesn't do his job, that's what happened. Yeah, that's it. But why do you think the Detroit Lions are always in the cellar? Or why do you think there's, there's some teams, Cleveland Browns, you know, I feel I I pity the Jets fans. You know, why do you think, you know, to me, it's, you know, you know I'm glad Dan Snyder is leaving the Redskins. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's a cancer, you know. Yeah, it's because they don't have leadership. That's the problem. They don't have the leadership. They, they don't empower and enable their people. I can't wait for the draft next year, man. You know, I, I just like to see people, I like to see people succeed. You know, and that I think that's that's where it is. I like to see the underdog. I love to see the Brock Purdy's out there, and I love to see them yeah. succeed. I love to see them really do well. You know, I, I want to see this 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 kid Anthony Richardson do well. Yeah, because he came he comes out of nowhere, and you're like, wow. Yeah, it's really cool to see that happen. I think what's going to be yeah. interesting to see we'll have to revisit this next year and see how Anthony Richardson's doing versus Stetson Bennett. Uh, I, Bryce Young, you know, Bryce Young, how many, how many Heisman Trophy winners have just flamed out? You know, that's that, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's the whole. You know, what makes the NFL great is they have a lot of really smart football minds. And what I see happening, and this could happen to uh, Brock Purdy, is all these people know each other. It's a gentleman's club. Mm -hmm. So all these coaches on opposing teams, they're so cross-pollinated that everybody knows each other and they get the book on young players. And they'll call each other and say, hey, how the hell do I stop this Brock Purdy guy? How do I stop this guy? How do I stop, you know, all these people? And you'll see a lot of times they will figure out like one weakness of a player and they'll stop him. That remains to be seen with a guy like Brock Purdy. When he starts this year, the NFL is going to have a book on him. How do we stop this guy? And the amazing thing is about a guy like Patrick Mahomes, everyone's tried to have, they've had three years, four years to get the book on this guy. They still can't stop him. That's what's amazing about Mahomes. They can't stop him. Guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, there's only a few of them out there. And it's always great to see who high, the next guy's going to be, you know? Highly talented, Jeez. high EQ yeah. players. Yeah, Highly talented, 
I, you know, Mahomes is a student of the game. He watch, he sits and he watches films for hours. Brock Purdy, my guess is he goes back to be a backup quarterback role. He's not a starting quarterback. He'll go back to a backup, but I'll bet you he'll be, but I'll bet you he'll be a very successful coach someday or or yeah. or executive. Very high, you know. Look, you can't change your size, you can't change your yeah, athleticism, but you can, you can, your mind is a great, the mind of a great, is a great thing to adapt. I mean, just because somebody doesn't make it as a salesperson doesn't mean they can't make it as a great general manager. Of course. They, yeah. they adapt, you know, it's, 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 you know, and, and I think that's what I love about the micro, this little microcosm of, you know, the NFL draft It's like, well, you can see how people develop and how to develop people. Yeah. 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 It's great, man. How do folks get hold of you, Rob? They can just email me at rob at mrfairfax.com. I'm on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. They could call me 703-395-3466. I'm available anytime. As Craig mentioned earlier, we specialize in insurance. So if you have a, an insurance background in the Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C. area, and you're a top talent along the lines that we've just been discussing over the past 30 minutes, definitely call me. I've got some great clients for you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Rob. It's been great as always. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. Talk soon, buddy. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.